Welcome to The Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. We'd like to welcome as our guest today, Dr. Lawrence Ball, Professor of Economics and the Department Chair at John Hopkins University. He speaks to us from the university in Baltimore. Dr. Larry, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Uh, thank you. I'm glad to be here. So, Larry, uh, you've been educated at Anhurst and then uh, a, a Ph.D. in economics from MIT. You're currently department chair at uh, Johns Hopkins. You've been a research associate at the National Bureau of Economic Research, and you've been a consultant for the International Monetary Fund and a visiting scholar at a number of central banks. And you have now written a book that was recently published, The Fed and Lehman brothers and um so let's talk about that book uh, first of all give okay. us a little background of yours will you a, a little background of myself yeah uh, well it's pretty simple it's uh, i went off to nursery school when i was three years old <laughs> and school worked out fairly well for me so i've just stayed in school ever since uh went straight to college and graduate school as you've mentioned and then i've been uh teaching ever since and i've been at Johns Hopkins for going on 25 years now. Uh, I do have a little bit of uh, real-world observation, as you mentioned, from being a visiting scholar in different parts of the Federal Reserve System and a number of foreign central banks as well. Okay. So tell us about your book and uh, why you wrote it. It's pretty simple why I wrote it. Uh, I'm a macroeconomist, so like all macroeconomists, I've been very interested in what caused the Great Recession 10 years ago and the weak recovery. And at one level, the answer is pretty obvious. It was the financial crisis. Okay, so what caused the financial crisis? Again, pretty obvious that the pivotal event in the crisis was the Lehman Brothers failure. Then things get a little more murky. What, why did Lehman Brothers fail? They had a lot of problems, but so did a lot of other banks that were rescued by the Federal Reserve. So the question becomes, why was Lehman the one institution that was not rescued by the Fed? And that is essentially what the book is about. You know, uh, not long after we uh, scheduled this interview here, Larry, uh, I opened the Wall Street Journal, and uh, I, I read, as I do every single day in the op-ed section, the bookshelf, and they interview a single book. And I see uh, the title, When the Bailout Stopped, the Fed and Lehman Brothers by... Lawrence M. Ball. And I said, hey, wait a minute. We have booked uh, Larry for uh, a Strategic Investor Radio interview, and here his book is being reviewed by the Wall Street Journal. Was that a good thing for you? Did you hear about this uh, uh, from people all over the country? Was it kind of a real exciting thing? That, that, that was pretty exciting. I, yeah, I, was, I was very happy about that. Um, I actually disagree slightly with the eminent reviewer and how he interpreted the book, but I don't want to complain at all. I was very happy that, to get it discussed, and yes, I had a few old acquaintances who read the Wall Street Journal. I got some nice emails. 
You know, it was reviewed by George Malone, who personally, he's a hero of mine, uh, followed uh-huh. his work for years there at the Wall Street Journal. So let, let, let me ask this question. I'm going to quote from uh, his review here. And uh, like you say, no reviewer ever agrees 100% with the author. I'm going to quote uh-huh. from here. Tell us, uh, do you, uh, to what degree do you agree with what he just said? Quote, uh, so George Malone says, he, referring to you in your book, makes a persuasive case that a key lesson remains overlooked in regards to the, uh, the, the, the bailout and uh, financial crisis. And the lesson is this, that the Lehman failure and the market crash that followed didn't have to happen and that the political response, which was the 2010 Dodd-Frank banking law, has made future financial crises more likely, not less. So how do you feel about that analysis of what you wrote? Well, I, I certainly agree with the part about the, the Lehman failure did not have to happen and the financial crisis did not have to be as bad. And, and that's really the main point of the book. Um, as far as the Dodd-Frank Act, uh, and again, I <laughs> don't want to complain at all about the review. I thought it was great, but I, it's not the case that I think the whole Dodd-Frank Act is a bad idea. I talk about one part of the Dodd-Frank Act, which is the limits on the Fed's ability to lend to financial institutions in distress. And that, I think, is a step in the wrong direction, making it harder to address future crises. Other parts of the Dodd-Frank Act, you know, higher capital requirements and so on, I probably have a more benign view, although that's not what the book is about. So, Larry, um, it it goes on to say here that uh, a major flaw, as you see it, is that the law put a political officer, which was Hank Paulson, the the Treasury Secretary, in charge of banking oversight, and that that's not what should have happened. Tell us about that, will you? I I do basically agree about that. Part of the story, uh, which is a, a little puzzling about what happened in 2008, is that under the law at the time, the decision for whether the Federal Reserve would lend to Lehman was a decision that legally was the responsibility of the Federal Reserve. There was a process by which the New York Fed could have requested authority to make a loan and the Board of Governors would have approved it. That The Treasury Secretary at the time uh, legally had as much role in the process as the Secretary of Agriculture or the Mayor of Baltimore. No legal role at all. The interesting thing that played out was that Henry Paulson took it upon himself to fly up to the Federal Reserve Bank of New York and start giving orders about what Kim Geithner, the New York Fed president, should do and about what should be done for Lehman and what should not be done for Lehman. Uh, So I think a, a big failure of the Federal Reserve in uh, the 2008 crisis was essentially not sticking up for their authority and taking orders from the Secretary of the Treasury. What what the Dodd-Frank Act does, though, is actually change the law so that uh, a future Henry Paulson, a future Treasury Secretary, will actually have the legal authority to tell the Fed, well, the law now says that uh, any loan by the Fed has to be approved by the Treasury Secretary. And that just institutionalizes or guarantees that somebody who is a political appointee uh, is going to be making decisions about what to do in a financial crisis. 
And uh, I think it would be better if the relatively apolitical Federal Reserve leaders had the final authority. So tell us a little about uh, this whole mark-to-market issue here. Was that, in your view, a mistake uh, on the part of uh, FASB, or was it something that had to be done, and could have that been handled by the Federal Reserve? And did uh, Hank Paulson, you, you, you don't agree with uh, his taking over, uh, would you say that uh, they should not have done this mark-to-market thing? Uh, talk to us a little about that, because that was a major element in all of this, correct? Yes, so that's an interesting question, and I honestly don't have strong views about what the best accounting practices are. I I can certainly see the case for marking things to market and not, uh, you know, there were certainly episodes, you know, Japanese banks come to mind in which financial institutions are able to report unrealistic values for assets year after year, and that hinders cleanup of the system. I'm not, I, I certainly think, though, that um, in a crisis, um, policymakers should take account of the fact that market values of assets may be pushed below the fundamental values of assets uh, because of panic in markets. And um, when, when people look at Lehman Brothers' solvency, and uh, long story short, I think it was a borderline case or a close call if you look at mark-to-market values. But I think Lehman was pretty clearly solvent if you look at the fundamental values of its assets. And even if you believe that mark-to-market accounting should be the standard kind of accounting for corporations, um, I, I think that policymakers, it, it, say in the Lehman case, should have taken account of the fact that there was a good chance that Lehman was sustainable in the long run. Well, if, if it could survive, it, it was forced into bankruptcy by a liquidity crisis, by running out of cash. Right. Uh, but if the Fed had played its role as lender of last resort and helped it get through that crisis, there's a decent chance it could have survived in the long run. Well, that, that, that's very interesting. Do you find this to be a... Uh, has this been a popular approach that many people have agreed with and said, thank you very much for finally telling the truth on this story? Or is it unpopular and uh, contrarian to what so many people think, or perhaps to what you thought before you started the book? I I honestly didn't know um, what I thought before I started the book. When I started researching the question, I was really kind of perplexed because people say such different things. People at the Fed insisted that there was no way we could possibly rescue Lehman Brothers under the law, and other people said that's ridiculous. Obviously, it was all political, and I I didn't really know. After spending four years reading the relevant documents, I I now have a strong opinion that... um, uh, that, that it was political, that it wasn't necessary, and the, the Fed um, did have the legal authority to rescue Lehman. Okay. So tell us the, the, the sources here. Were they personal? Were they strictly public records? What were the sources you went to over this four-year of research? They were strictly public records. So one thing that most people don't realize is that there's a tremendous amount of easily accessible information. Um, And and there are a number of sources, but the two most important are two investigations, one by 
uh, bankruptcy examiner appointed by the bankruptcy court in the Lehman bankruptcy case. Uh, the other uh, big uh, investigation by the Financial Crisis Inquiry Commission um, appointed by Congress. Those were both huge investigations, you know, with millions of dollars of resources, and they both had subpoena power. And and they actually both, at this moment, have very user-friendly websites. So you could get out your, your other phone and go online, and in three minutes you could be reading the emails that Lehman executives and Fed officials were sending back and forth to each other on the weekend before Lehman failed. A lot of people have made conjectures or speculated about what was happening. Oh, the Fed must have been thinking that, or this must have been the reason. But in a lot of cases, you really don't have to speculate, because if you look at the records that are available, as I say, you can actually see people emailing each other and revealing exactly what they were doing and what they were thinking in real time. And that, that, that must be fascinating to, to, to study that here. So, so Larry, uh, what misperceptions uh, do you now see by much of the investment world about the Lehman situation? Well, I think a lot of people in the investment world and the world in general probably think that it was inevitable that Lehman was going to fail. Uh, and again, I think it was not inevitable. They could have been rescued. I think more broadly, a lot of people think that the financial crisis um, and the damage it did was inevitable because of mistakes that had been made both on Wall Street and in the rest of the economy before the crisis. You know, of course, the story is well known that... Um, uh, people took on too much debt, uh, they made risky bets on real estate, um, and so on. And I, I think a lot of people believe the story that because of those sins, there was going to be uh, a day of reckoning. I, whereas I think that if Lehman Brothers had been rescued, um, the panic and the crisis could have been much less severe. I mean, there were mistakes made, and there were losses that were going to occur, but I, I think with proper management of the situation, we could be looking back at 2008 the same way we look back at, say, the savings and loan crisis of the 1980s or the bursting of the dot-com bubble in the early 2000s. Those were episodes in which, in retrospect, there were mistakes made and people lost money and there was some negative effect on the overall economy, but nothing of the magnitude that we saw with the Great Recession. So I, I think that really didn't have to happen if essentially on September 14th, 2008, uh, policymakers had made the right decision about rescuing Lehman. Now, that's very interesting. I'm certainly not a devoted fan of that whole subject and have never spent uh, much time looking at it. But that, that, that does not seem to be the prevailing opinion that I generally have heard about the crisis here. So, Larry, let's ask this. There's kind of a politically charged issue uh, that uh, I've heard mentioned many times, and that is that there were really no prosecutions. Uh, of any Wall Street people, or very few, if any, and certainly no high-profile ones, uh, mm -hmm. uh, for, for what had happened. Do you see that that was a, a failure of the system, or is that is that just? That is a great question, and I have spent a fair amount of time thinking about it without, without making up my mind or finding a clear answer. 
and, and actually, I've, I've talked to some people who worked at places like the Securities and Exchange Commission, and it, it, it certainly is natural to think that, that somebody ought to pay a price uh, for what happened. Um, but of course, making business mistakes, even bad business mistakes, is not a criminal offense. It, uh, being greedy or foolish or not in and of themselves criminal offenses. Um, there, there have, of course, been a number of civil penalties um, levied yes. on various banks right, uh, right. because, you know, essentially having to do with not accurately um, disclosing information about their mortgage holdings and things like that. I've actually talked to people who are, I've actually talked to a couple lawyers about could those things have risen to the level of criminal prosecutions, um, and I, I think it's 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 not at all it's not at all clear. Um, I, I, at this point, I tend to think that you know you know there was no really clear or egregious fraud that you know that you could get twelve jurors to convict somebody of. Um, so um, I, I don't know whether it's just or not, but. Um, but it, but it's far from obvious to me that there were are also a point people have made to me is that there if there were um, cases that could have been tried, presumably there are ambitious um, U.S. attorneys uh, who would like to be happy to make their reputation as right. the ones who brought to justice the culprits behind the crisis. Um, so. Uh, so, so, so you know, my suspicion is that again, they're probably not clear-cut crimes that should have been prosecuted. Okay, but I'm, but I'm not sure. So, so Larry, on this subject, uh, final question. Bottom line: uh, Why are you glad you did this? Other than you know, potential opportunity of writing a book, etc. Why are you uh, glad that you you spent the four years, you wrote the book, you went through all of this effort? Uh, what, what, what have you learned from this that, that you really take away as being valuable? I think the main reason I'm glad is simply that, first of all, the failure of Lehman Brothers was our truly momentous historical event. You know, it's had tremendous impact on the whole world economy ever since. Uh, and, of course, we could speculate about how the problems in the world economy have had political effects. And, you know, they... Clearly, the Lehman failure changed the world in, in uh, undesirable ways. And I think for a historical event of that importance, it's very important that there be an accurate uh, historical record. And the story that, that was given, that has been given repeatedly by Federal Reserve officials, um, that they didn't rescue Lehman. They, they could not possibly rescue Lehman because they didn't have the legal authority, because Lehman did not have enough collateral for the loan it needed, um, that that story is, is just not accurate. I, I, I should mention, by the way, or I would like to mention that um, in September, the Brookings Institution, uh, this September, is having a conference on a retrospective on the financial crisis and policy decisions. And the three people organizing the crisis are Hank Paulson, Ben Bernanke, and Tim Geithner. Oh, wow. Which doesn't strike, <laughs> doesn't strike me as the most uh, unbiased people to <laughs> pass judgment on policy during the crisis. Right. And, 
and and pre- presumably uh, the story that will come out of that conference will be the what they've said for the last ten years that again uh, they did great things rescuing other institutions and their hands were tied when it came to Lehman and I just I hope that people in the media um, look at that conference very skeptically. So uh, bottom line without without spending more, more time on it here, uh, what grade would you give? Uh, to the Treasury Department and to the Fed and overall to the government in addressing uh, these issues of the credit crisis, Lehman Brothers, etc. Well, you'd have to talk about which semester we're grading them on or which, I mean, I would give them a very low grade, you know, a D or an F for September 14th and not rescuing Lehman. Um, as many people pointed out, they did change direction quickly. So I certainly give them a B plus or an A minus in terms of the whole crisis. I mean, I can certainly imagine other policymakers who would have let Lehman fail and then let AIG fail and then let Goldman Sachs fail and then, you know, uh, help to usher in something worse than the 1930s. So, you know, it's a, a matter of what you compare it to. The crisis didn't have to be nearly as bad as it was, uh, but it also could have been quite a bit worse than it was. You know, I, I really appreciate hearing that, and I'm sure our listeners do too, because I, I've read a couple of books on it, although it's been a while, but uh, the credit crisis is, is still pretty much an enigma to most of us. And, uh, you know, what happened and why did it happen and how did it happen? The Fed has gotten such heat. Again, I'm a fan of the Wall Street Journal, and for years they have been on the Fed about, you know, being so dovish, etc. Uh, on interest rates, and I uh, really appreciate your, your insight. A question we'd like to ask all of our guests here, Larry, is what keeps you awake at night? What keeps me awake at night? Well, like a lot of people, the honest answer would be the Trump administration. And <laughs> I'm shocked I'm to hear how, that. <laughs> how, how broad, the, you know, and probably the things that really keep me awake are not directly, you know, or along the lines of uh, n- nuclear war or cataclysmic climate change. I mean, when it, when it comes to economics, um, I, I, I would worry about, um, suppose another crisis, financial crisis hits, um, that, again, I, I would maybe give a B-plus or an A-minus overall to the Fed and Treasury for handling the last crisis. Uh, if, if we have a, another crisis and it's really amateur hour in economic policy, um, you know, we really could have something very, very cataclysmic um, for the economy. I'm sure you're not alone with that whole attitude. Last question. Um, what book on investing would you recommend for our listeners? It's from a, an economics department chair at a major U.S. <laughs> university. Here. Well, I would say, and I'm not sure this is obvious or surprising, the, um, the book that collects together Warren Buffett's annual letters to shareholders. I mean, I figure if, if you're interested in how to be a successful investor, why not listen to the person who has spectacularly outperformed everybody else in human history as an investor? <laughs> and of course, also, it's uh, well-written and amusing and uh, not overly pretentious. So I think that would be my answer. Okay, and that's great. You're not the first to recommend that, so no No, question about it. That uh, that would be excellent reading for anybody. So tell us about uh, how somebody can find your book. Uh, Amazon.com is probably the easiest, or other, or Barnes & Noble, 
website or the Cambridge University Press website. It's it's not not hard to find for someone motivated to do so. Okay. So again, the title, The Fed and Lehman Brothers Setting the Record Straight on a Financial Disaster. So final words for our listeners here, Larry. Final words. Uh, I guess getting back to the big lesson, I mean, what I've taken away, and it's not an original thought, but that one has to be very careful about um, giving credence to things the government officials say, including Fed officials. Um, And in, in this case, the people at the Fed are often viewed, I think, fairly as kind of the class of the policymaking community as being relatively technocratic and apolitical. Uh, but still, it's really a little shocking if you scratch beneath the sur- surface a little bit. Their accounts of what happened during this momentous episode are, are just not accurate. So, uh, again, it's not an original thought, but um, it's important to not take everything the government officials say at face value and uh, try to check the facts independently. Well, I think more than ever that none of our listeners are going to disagree with you on that. So, Larry, thank you very much. This has been very interesting, very enlightening, and uh, we really appreciate your your four years of uh, of uh, evaluation and research and time writing the book and effort to bring it to market and everything. And thank you very much for taking the time to uh, talk with us today. And our best wishes that your book uh, uh, does very, very well. And it's a, a very productive thing for you in your life. Thank you for joining well, us today, thank, Larry. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed it. Again, we've been talking with Dr. Lawrence Ball, Professor of Economics and Department Chair at John Hopkins University in Baltimore about his book, The Fed and Lehman Brothers Setting the Record Straight on a Financial Disaster. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio. We'd love to have you contact us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com. Go to our website to hear podcasts of all of our interviews and shows, Strategic Investor Radio. I'm Charlie Wright wishing you an enjoyable week and productive investing. Strategic Investor Radio is a production of OC Talk Radio and is provided for educational purposes only. Content of this program and the views of the guests should not be considered as recommendations by OC Talk Radio or investment advice from the host Charlie Wright or any other entity attached to this production. Investors should always consult qualified financial, investment, tax, or legal professionals prior to investing.